So we're going to be doing things a little bit different this morning, and uh, some of the sort of family news and things like that will be sort of intermixed throughout the, uh, the service, but um, if you have a Bible, you can open it to 1 Peter. And we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. So we're in this series right now called Life Upside Down, and we're looking at what it means to actually reflect uh, the values of the kingdom of God. Uh, A person's life is dictated by their values, Um, and uh, oftentimes the, the kingdom of God tells us that things ought to be important. Uh, that are often the opposite um, of what we see in the world. And so what that looks like lived out is a life that is essentially flipped. It's upside down when you compare it to the sort of normal life that's lived by most people in the world. And so we're looking at different aspects of life and what it looks like for them to be flipped upside down by the kingdom of God. Uh, This morning we're talking specifically about church, church upside down. And you may be like, well, that's weird because uh, wouldn't church be right side? What's the deal with the directions? Isn't that the one? Uh, But the truth is that even something like the church, which is the collection, the body of believers in Christ, even something like the church can function according to the values of the world rather than the values of the kingdom. And when that happens, it looks uh, very different from the way the Bible tells us the church should look. So we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 this morning. Just two verses. And I'm going to put them up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10 says this, 9 through 10. And this is Peter talking to the church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is one of my favorite passages or even few verses on the nature of who we are in Christ and what the church is because of that. What he says here, Peter, is that a believer is a part of a chosen race. And this chosen race, the language of this, it speaks back to the Israelites, God's people, God's sort of race of people. But the idea is that with all of the diversity that we hopefully see and experience in the church, that even in the midst of that diversity, that each person through Jesus is so connected that we are like on the very level of our DNA, we are the same. You are the same, even if you look and act and seem different. Because if you're a part of the family of God, you're now connected on this very deep level. And because you're connected on that deep level, he says you're a royal priesthood. You are the people whose job it is to be a bridge between God and man. The priests in the Old Testament were those who would go on behalf of the rest of the people and they would would bring their needs to God, they would bring their sins to God, their sacrifices to God, and they would communicate back to the people on God's behalf. They would bring God to the people and bring the people to their God. Now Peter, 
is the one, the disciple, if you remember, that Jesus said, you are the one on which I'm going to build my church. Uh, And so Peter is either really lazy, he's gotten to a point in his job where he's like, I am so done with this, I am burnt out, I know, tomorrow I'm just going to tell them all that it's their job now. Or he's actually saying something significant here that is not a contradiction of what Jesus says. It's a really big deal for Peter, the big deal of the church, to say to everyone in the church, well, guys, I'm actually not the only priest here. The apostles, the, the, the teachers, the disciples that you've known, we are not the only ones who are called to be priests. Every single one of you, if you're in the family of God, is a priest. Every one of you. That's your job. We all have the same job. That your job is to see yourself as a bridge between people and God and God between people. And as a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. You belong to God, and he uses you for that purpose. And what is the purpose? What is the message you're bringing to God's people? What is the reason you're trying to bring them to him? He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, a church... Today, most churches are places that we go to be filled up. They're places that we go because we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to be better people, we want to be better in our marriages and with our families, we want help dealing with the hard stuff in our life. And so we see churches as like any other thing in a consumer culture something that we go to to benefit, to take. And as it fills us up, it makes us better. It makes us feel better. This is the most common understanding of church today. I go, it helps me, fills me up, makes me better. But what Peter's describing here is something totally different, something totally flipped. What he is saying is that if you're a part of the church, then what that means is that you are not a person who comes and receives And once you've received enough, you're good. You are a person who day one gives. You empty yourself out. And that that's a good thing. That that's a natural thing. And that in doing that, you grow. In doing that, you are fulfilled. In doing that, you find joy. In not being self-absorbed, believe it or not, you find fulfillment. You see, the right side up church says, I go because of how it fills me up. The upside down church says, I go because it is a place where I am sent out, a place where I am encouraged to give. I was once, uh, I love this story because it's a, it's a California gas pump story is what it is, uh, which is like a thing, you know, so I'm... Uh, when I used to live in California, uh, yes, by the way, you do need people to pump your gas for you because uh, I've seen things happen that indicate that people don't know how to do it. Um, and uh, this guy is standing there in his car and he's topping it off, right? So it clicks and he's like, nah, I can get more in there. Squeezes it again, clicks, so I can get more in there, clicks. And then all of a sudden, just psh, gas like shoots out all over this guy. And he just stands there like this like covered in gasoline. And I, I left. I didn't know what to do, so I just left. <laughs> it's 
It's California, that's what you do right now. And this is the image that I get in my mind when I think about the church today. I think of something uh, where you have these people who are filled up and just saying more and more and more. Just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And the image that I get is this fuel spraying out everywhere. All of our faces all over us. Because we continue to say, no, 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 I need more. I, I need this, I need this. Rather than think, I'm actually not here to take, not to receive, but to give, but to pour out. That's what the Bible says in the kingdom of God that the church looks like. This is a huge shift. This is a, an upside-down way of looking at things. And so church isn't like a school where you come so you can be made better and be invested in to develop as a person. It's not a place where you go to be trained, to be entertained, to be motivated, to be educated, to fill you up with passion and meaning so that you can go out and be better at being you. This means that you come and then you give and you serve and you get sent out. And we do complain all the time about consumerism. We say consumerism. This is like what it is to be an American, is to complain about consumerism and then to be a just gigantic consumer, right? That's like the most American thing that you can do, right? And it's no different in the church. We dislike so much the idea that the church has become this thing. It's like a product, but at the same time, we still long for a church that is perfect for us, just like we shop for a pair of pants. And why do we do it? What is, the, what is the motivation behind this? What is the message that we have? What is the fuel, sorry, what is the fuel that drives us to do this thing? Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, is above all else being a person who remembers what you were before. It is a person who never forgets that there was once a time that you were in darkness and now you're in light. That you didn't have mercy and now you have mercy. That you were not one of God's people and now you are one of God's people. That remembering, the gratefulness that comes from that is what drives a person to go, I remember what it was like to not have this. The least that I can do is give this. Give it as freely as I can, as much as I can, and dedicate my life to doing that thing. Even this idea in the church of calling is mixed up, is right side up, you would say. Because we think there's a couple people who are called to this. There's a few people who are called to give of themselves really big time, right? The pastors, the, 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 the church leaders, right? The evangelists, the people who are gifted in it, they're called to do it. And yet we pursue all of the other major things in our life where we empty ourselves out, not as if there was a calling that led to it. Well, who, was, who here was called to be a parent? Who here was called to be married? We don't use that language to describe those decisions. In fact, uh, the difficulty is uh, in all of those situations, we don't feel ready to do the thing that we're doing, right? Nobody feels ready once they get married and are actually living in a, mar in a marriage with another person. Nobody feels ready to become a parent. The only person who feels ready is a grandparent. Grandparents feel totally ready, right? Grandparents are like, I'm good, I'm good. Totally ready for this, right? I know everything I need to know, which is I'm not gonna do anything that you want me to do with your kid. 
And, but we say like, no, 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 when I'm ready, when I know enough, when I've learned enough, when I've grown enough, then I can be ready to do this thing. And, but that's not what we even see in people like Peter himself. What we recognize is that the way we grow is through emptying ourselves out, is through being sent out, is through being upside down in this way. And like everything in this series that we've talked about, if this upside down way is the right way, then it means it is the better way for me. It is the better way for the church. That somehow dying to yourself gives more life in the end. That somehow emptying yourself out leads to more fulfillment in the end. We are, there are churches filled with people desperate to experience God and wondering why we aren't experiencing God. But that also aren't willing to do really the most basic thing the Bible says, which is to empty ourselves out for God. To see him show up in those situations, in those moments, to fill us back up. Instead, we take and take and take, and we wonder why in all the taking we're still not experiencing God himself because God says that's not how it works. The more we pour ourselves out, the better we will be. The more successful our church will be. The good news is that is the end of the sermon. Right? But I didn't say this. Uh, I said it in the first service that I didn't say it uh, at the beginning of this one. But I have been really excited about this Sunday for a while because I knew that we, as we knew that we were going to be talking about what it looks like to be an upside-down church, we said, let's not just talk about that. Let's, talk, let's show our church, one, what it looks like to try to do that, two, like how we are actively trying to do that, and the people in our church are trying, and then the ways that we've seen that happen successfully in the past, and how we've seen God show up when we've experienced a minute. So the rest of this morning is actually going to be dedicated to that. We're going to take some time out, and Pastor Matt and I are going to share with you guys some of the things that God has been doing here in this church, that he's doing right now, that, he's, that, he, that we believe he's going to do moving forward in the future, and also just some ways that we are actively trying to equip you, the church, to be able to be this way and live this way, for us to be a church that is upside down like this. One of the things that, uh, when I first talked about this idea, it was actually in a vision series that I did a few years ago when I first came to the church as lead pastor. And in that series, I gave a challenge to the church to throw a party for your neighbors. Well, there was one, uh, several of you did that. Um, and the idea was basically this, like the first step to actually sharing Jesus with people is knowing people. I know it's crazy, right? And uh, believe it or not, they actually don't like it when you just write it on a sign. Um, and so get to know some people. And that was the challenge that we gave people. Well, there was one couple in the church that did that and shared their story with me. And uh, I wanted to share the story with you guys. And so I'm going to show you guys a video about Cheryl and Mark. I'm going to give you guys a chance to, to see this. This is the first thing we're going to look at this morning. Sit back, get comfortable. All right. You're going to be watching a lot of stuff this morning. Let's try this again. Third time's the charm. Fourth time's the charm. Fifth time. It's left and right. 
And so I just thought, okay, God, I've got the picture. <laughs> and I get what you're telling me. Cheryl Litsky, and my husband Mark and I have been attending Oregon City Evangelical for almost 12 years. Uh, back in December of 2017, Pastor Ed gave three messages on reaching out to our neighbors. One of the challenges Pastor Ed gave us was to throw a party. Um, I love parties, so that wasn't a difficult one for me, but reaching out to neighbors I didn't know that well was a little bit of a challenge. I went around to all of our neighborhood and invited all the neighbors to come to an open house, and uh, we had invitations that I made out, and we went around and did that. And then we prayed and we waited till the day of the party. I was busy making lots of food. And um, the time came for the party. And we are sitting there with all the food on the table, lights, candles all lit, everything was really nice. And then no one was at the door. So half hour later, we were still sitting there and we decided, okay, go out. God, we need to pray um, that you will send the people. And so um, we prayed again, and, uh, and we were getting hungry. <laughs> so Mark and I took, uh, I had made deviled eggs. We took a deviled egg and we toasted each other with a deviled egg, and we were sitting there laughing about, well, wow, we've got a lot of food to eat, God, if you don't send anybody. And then the doorbell started ringing. And it was pretty cool because there were several young families with their children that started showing up. We have a couple of guys that live down in the alley. They, they showed up, um, our neighbor across the street and a couple of other neighbors that don't have small children all showed up. And they kind of came and went. Um, none of these neighbors had really met one another yet since we, they had been fairly recently, some of them into the neighborhood. Towards the end of the gathering, people were starting to leave. It was getting time to go, and I asked if I could take a picture of everyone. And so they said, sure. And so it was just really neat to look and see how that, how they had all come together. And Mark and I have decided that uh, we have gained so much from the community within our church and fellowship with people that we know and love that we wanted to do the same kind of thing within our community we live in. And we're in the historic district, so there's a lot of older homes. Some of the people that are living there are older, and some, like several of these families, are young and are moving in. It's hard to go knock on a door and say, hi, I'm your neighbor. Um, but when they're introduced like this in an informal setting, I think it just, there's just natural conversation that happens and I think it takes away that fear factor and that I have to put myself out there factor. And it was just really cool to see that happening all on its own. Whether they ever come to church or not, whether they ever, well, our prayer is always that they will come to know the Lord, but 
that is God's business. Ours is just to be uh, as available as we can. I do a lot of things. This is part of how I present myself to my neighbors. All kinds of containers for baked goods, candies, all kinds of things that you would go to buy at the store. I mean, even all the Christmas, <laughs> it was crazy. All of these things and like these cute little boxes and so forth. And I used some of these last couple of years and I filled them with goodies. And so everybody that left the party that came to the open house party got to take something with them that either I had made or sometimes it was a little some toy I'd found for a child or something like that. So I think if you just keep your eyes open and if you're looking to do this, God provides. I don't think I paid but a couple three dollars for this and you know all this paper stuff is very expensive. I even got the invitations. I was like, okay God, all in one nice neat little one place I just said, okay, I'll take it all. I think it was like $3. So God wants you to go to Hobby Lobby and spend some money. So the thing I like, yeah. Um, so the thing I like about Cheryl's story is the fact that she, um, uh, if you know Cheryl and Mark, uh, they do, they love to entertain, love to cook, and they, she has all these things that she has, and um, they're really great. Um, but the uncomfortable part for her was actually opening her home to people that she didn't know at all, people from her own neighborhood. And they, they said to me, she said to me that they really see themselves now as like ambassadors to the neighborhood, that, that, that they're the ones that are gonna bring people together in the neighborhood. And the thing I think is so great about this is as, growth group leaders here at the church. They've experienced community, um, and they've said, we wanna go and create that outside the walls of the church. That's an example of something that we do well here, but as you go to a church that tries to, that, that is kind of about filling ourselves up, then the question is always, what's for me, right? What's for me? How can I experience that community even right here versus asking, how can I be sent out to help be equipped to create community there? And there's a lot of other examples of people that threw parties and did things like that. One of the ways that we wanna help you do this, to be better at doing this, to equip you to do this, is something that we have that's gonna be starting up soon. It's called Sending School. And uh, Sending School is kind of a class and it's an opportunity to, um, to come once a week for like a month, each session's a month, and to, uh, to learn more about how to actually live this way with the people around you. Uh, we've had a lot of questions, so we made a video about it. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this video. I know I really do. Hey everyone. So recently we started a class here at OCEC called Sending School. But because it has school in the title, a lot of people have been worried. They've been kind of intimidated or they think it's gonna be kind of boring. And so we wanted to give you all the info on Sending School, but we wanted to do it in the most fun and least intimidating way possible. So please enjoy our Sending School video that is so fun and so not intimidating. Right. 
Okay, Matt, come on. You can do this. He's just a man. Yeah, he's your boss, but he's also a friend, I think. Okay, you can do this. Here we go. It's Matt. Matt Eckhart. The associate pastor of OCEC. Yeah, hey, I, I've got something important to talk to you about. I was wondering if I could come down and chat for a bit. Sure, come on down and hop on the couch. So, hey, Matt, what would you want to talk about? Well, Ed, I've, I've just had a few people asking me questions about the sending school. They're not really sure what it's about. It's kind of this new thing we're doing. And so I wasn't really sure how to answer them, and I didn't want to get fired. So I thought I'd come and ask you first. Every one of us is called to be a missionary to the people in our lives, to bring Jesus to them. But most of us, if we're honest, don't have the first idea how to do something like that. And so that's really what sending school is. It's just the first step in figuring out how to... <clears throat> bring the people around us we to Jesus. To we're going to talk about who God's put in your life and who your mission field is. We're going to talk about how to get people together, uh, how to build community outside the church, kind of like we have in the church. And you, we're no, even going to just but talk you, about how to have spiritual disciples. conversations because that's one of the hardest things for us. You know, this is sounding an awful lot like an evangelism class. And... Those things are the pits. Normally I go and I've got to write out some 17 second testimony I don't plan on ever sharing with anybody. They make me go around and go door to door. I was at one one time where they made me learn the creation account and shadow puppets. The last one I went to, I mean, they mm. locked me in a room with a non-believer until the person came to Jesus. And I mean, that's great and all. They're saved they now, but... They, oh, they're saved. Good. Yeah, but I mean, that they're class worth it. That class cost me my 20s, though. Oh. Well, that's a good question, Matt. You know, I'd call that a top-of-the-couch question. Why don't you hop on up here with me, and we'll, uh, we'll take it to the next level. No, no, I hear you, Matt. I hear you. I think that's probably the biggest misconception about sending schools. It isn't really an evangelism class, and it isn't really a training either. It's about helping you. Take the relationships that God's already put in your life and point them to Jesus. Pastor Ed? Hey, Pastor Ed. Uh, it's me, Pastor Dave, the music pastor. Hey, Dave, yeah, come on in. Uh, can you make it over here okay? Uh, there's this big pile of cords in the middle of the room here. Oh, I think my girl and I have got that covered. <coughs> That's a good girl. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Woohoo! That's it. Yeah, easy, easy. Yes. Yeah. That's <coughs> shh, 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 shh. There you go. Shh, shh, shh. Yeah. Shh, shh. That's a good girl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. 
Hey, Pastor Ed, I was just wondering a little bit about sending school. Claudia and I were thinking of coming, and I was just thinking about the food arrangements. Um, what what is what are what is the plan? I'm just thinking, wondering what what I sh- if I should bring something or what the deal is. Yes, Dave. I think that's a great question. Uh, since the class is going to run during dinner time, a lot of people are concerned about that. So you can sign up for free, or you can sign up and pay twenty dollars, and we'll cover all your meals for that four sessions. Or you can bring food, or you can eat beforehand. Uh, so dinner shouldn't be a problem. Well, Ed, as you know, I've been on the Subway diet for the last 10 years. And so now my body can't handle any more bread. So will there be bread in the menu? Uh, it'll mostly be pizza, I think. Well, that sounds fine. Yeah, you'll be okay. what the inside of Ed's mind is like. <laughs> That's it right there. Um, that was all Ed, all day long. <sighs> Man, nobody thinks we do any work. Um, so uh, you can go actually on the website. If you scroll down on the home page, there is a sending school photo. You click on that. It takes you to a page that explains more about sending school. You scroll further down that. There's a lot of scrolling. Down that page, and there are actually dates there that you can click on. You can sign up for sending school, the months that it's offered, and the days. It's not always offered on Sunday evenings uh, because we know that doesn't, doesn't work for everybody. And so figure out what works for you. And uh, you can go ahead and sign up now throughout the year and see when it's going to be offered. And uh, we, we want everybody to be involved in this because, as we've said, we believe everybody is called to share uh, the good news of the kingdom of God with other people. And so we want you to be as equipped as, equipped as possible. Uh, as we talk about a church being a church that is upside down, um, there's the picture. Uh, as we also, one of the things we talk about too is discipleship, because one of the biggest things that the church does is discipleship. And uh, what does that look like then in a church that is upside down? And how does it look different than a church that's maybe right side up? Uh, I think oftentimes as we think about disciples, we look to the first disciples and we look at their lives and we tend to look at their lives in the first three years that they were with Jesus and what that looked like. The fact that they were following Christ around and they were with him every day and they were watching him uh, not only teach but heal and cast out demons and all these amazing things and they wanted to see more and more of what Christ could do and we see our lives in being disciples of Jesus much in that way that the greatest thing we can do is learn at the feet of Christ. Learn at the feet of those who maybe we see as closer to Jesus than even we are. The problem with that view, as good as it is, that we know we can spend our entire lives doing that, we can never get the end of knowing who Jesus is and always know more about him, is we kind of forget two things. One is, I got really echoey there, um, one is that life happened after those three years. Don't know if you've ever read the Bible, uh, but there's this book after the Gospels called Acts. And it's all about what happens with the disciples after Jesus leaves. That they go out and they do this thing that Jesus has called them to do. They actually do the very thing that Jesus is doing. And the amazing things that they did, the amazing things that they saw. And if they had spent, if Jesus had never left and they had spent their entire lives following him around, the book of Acts never happens. 
Uh, but we also tend to forget that even while Jesus was around, two different times we know that Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs to go and do what he was doing. In Matthew, we're told that he sends out the 12. And in Luke, we're told that he sends out 72 to go and to minister. And essentially, when he does that, he's saying to them, hey, you've seen me do it. Now you go and do the same thing. This is the idea of what we're doing here at OCEC, which we call follow. And if you don't know about follow, we've been talking about it a little bit, but I'm going to tell you just a few quick things about it. Uh, it is something to go through. It's six sessions. It usually takes about two months to go through. But the idea of follow is that you can do this even if you don't feel like you're up to it, like you're adequate, that you have learned enough. Uh, what we see when Jesus sends out the 12 and he sends out the 72 is when they come back, it's not like Jesus is like, well, you guys graduated, we're good, go off on your own. They still had more to learn. Uh, they still didn't have it all figured out, and yet he sends them out to do the very thing that he himself was doing. And so the idea behind follow isn't that you complete a study or that you get to it in some graduation process in discipleship, but the goal of follow is that you have spiritual conversations with people, that you actually get comfortable having spiritual conversations with people because we don't necessarily believe that true change and transformation happens just simply by learning more. It actually happens by sharing life with other people, being in conversations about things that actually matter with them. That's where we actually grow, and that's where other people grow as well. Uh, I think as I talk to people about going through follow, uh, asking them if they're willing to do it, asking them if they're willing to take other people through it, one of the biggest things, the hurdle, is it just sounds intimidating. It sounds kind of hard. It sounds like we're going to be asked to talk about things that you maybe don't necessarily want to talk about. And my answer always to that is, well, yeah. Uh, anything that will grow you has an element of difficulty to it. But... Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, about this, and they actually they had a great analogy. They said it follows a lot like a workout. It's uncomfortable. It's hard work, and sometimes you don't really want to go. But also like a workout, you aren't disappointed that you did it. Uh, you can always see the benefits. For as difficult as it may be, you walk away and you know, I know that was good for me. I needed that as much as I may ache the next day. There's a lot to say about follow and really what it is, but I think the most important thing that I want you to know just for today is uh, follow is done sitting across the table from one other person. Uh, it's not to be done in a group. It's not to be done as a class, but it is a one-on-one -on -one conversation about what God is doing in your life, what God has done in your life, and maybe what God wants to do that you hadn't been thinking about before. When Jesus sent out the twelve. One of the commands that he gave him and the instructions, actually, he told him, he said, freely you have received, so freely give. Uh, we have all received grace from God freely. And we have also received freely from other people, whether or not we know it uh, off the top of our head. People have poured into us. And so the question for us is, will we give of ourselves in the same way that we have been given to God has given you so much. He has poured out grace in your life, not for you to hang on to and store, but for you to pour out in other places and in other people. And so how will you do that? And the great thing is, is that as we do this, we see amazing things happen. 
And so what I wanted to do uh, this morning was kind of share with you some of those things, because realize as a pastor, I've, I've realized this over the last few years, is I'm really spoiled in that I get to see these things. I have a front row seat to it. We actually sit in our uh, staff meeting on Monday mornings, and we talk about these things called ministry highlights, and really it is us a lot of times sharing about follow, people that we know that are going through it, things that are happening, the amazing changes that we're seeing take place, people just coming out of it and being like, I, I can't believe that I never thought of it or saw it that way, and how God wants to use me. And we get to see that, but realize you guys don't. And so I wanted to share some of those things uh, with you uh, this morning. I've been talking to people over the last few weeks, and these are just a few of the things that people have told me about their time and their experience uh, through Follow. I had one person uh, that told me that Follow gave me a practical view of what faith looks like in my everyday life. It focuses on the heart of discipleship, which isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but has to be shared with other people. I'm starting to see what, can really, what it can really look like in my life, and it's exciting. Another person told me that every time I've gone through follow, it's been a unique experience. I learned something new about God, but also about myself. Uh, the material definitely helps because of the nature of the questions, but every person sees things differently. I'm finding that spending this kind of time with other believers one-on-one -on -one is growing me just as much as anything else. Uh, another person said this, there was a question in one of the weeks that was something like, would I be willing to give up what is most important to me if Jesus asked in order to follow him? Uh, normally I just say yes and not give him much thought, but the discussion really caused me to think. Maybe for the first time I truly grasped what the call to follow Jesus really means. I went home, prayed about it, and came back the next week and said, yes, I do want to follow Jesus like that. And this is somebody that's now leading someone through follow for the first time as well. And then there was someone that said, follow has a way of holding you in the spiritual conversation even when you don't want to stay in. But since follow, I feel more comfortable talking about spiritual side of life and having these important conversations with the people around me. Uh, our goal isn't necessarily for you all to do follow. We want you to do that because we see it as an effective means for having these conversations that are so vital to our life but the life of other people. But follow isn't successful because of follow. It's successful because it points you to the one that changes us. It points you to Jesus, to having conversations about Jesus and to asking him, what is it you want me to do? What do you want to do in my life and what do you want to do through me? There's a lot more I could tell you about. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. This isn't even the really good stuff that we've seen and heard, but it's sensitive stuff, and also people don't like getting up here and telling a room full of people about that stuff. But I think it's actually, that's the way it's supposed to be. That it's not supposed to be that we get blessed by hearing the stories of what God's doing in other people's lives. Because like Jesus told the group that came back when he sent out the 72, at the very end of it all, he said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. What God wants for us is not for us to hear about what he's doing in other people's lives and say, isn't that great? I wish it could be for me. God wants us to step out and to be in it and for us to be the ones blessed because we're the ones seeing it happen. That's what he wants for you. And so if you haven't gone through Follow, if you're wondering more about Follow, I'm kind of, I guess, the director of Follow. Uh, in the two hours, I'm not working on family news during the week. I, I do Follow stuff. Come and talk to me about it. I can answer any questions you have. But if you haven't gone through it and you want to go through it, if something about this sparks something inside of you, I, I want to set you up with somebody and get you going through it so you can see what the disciples saw themselves.
I was reading a book recently from a pastor who was confessing that as he had grown up in the church, that one of the sort of unintended consequences of growing up in a church that tends to be pretty consumer-driven is that he didn't really know how to experience God unless someone else put it together for him. He, he, was, he used the word curate. He said, unless someone curated an, an interaction between me and God, I didn't expect it to happen. And I think that when you, uh, when you have that mentality, um, that the church will do that for me, the things will take care of that for me, then, uh, then it ends up being a very right side up way of viewing things. But in this kingdom oriented way of viewing the church, uh, we, instead of asking the question of how can I find someone to pour into me, to point me to God, we start by asking the question, how can I point someone else to God? Uh, because Jesus seemed to want his disciples to do that as a priority. And so that is the goal. The goal is that we would take these little baby steps of saying, how can I get closer to being able to do that? Um, another aspect of the church is the idea of community. We ask the question, you know, how can I experience community in the church? Um, what, what is my relationship like with the community in the church? One of the questions that we want to be asking is, how do we, how can we be sort of emptying ourselves out for the sake of the community outside the walls of the church? Uh, for those who don't yet know about Jesus, who haven't yet heard about Jesus, if we've been blessed so richly, then how can we bless others? There's all kinds of ways to do that, to try to sort of get involved and connected outside of the church. Um, one of the ways that we've seen that happen is with local schools. Uh, my kids attend um, a local elementary school here, Gaffney Lane, and um, through getting to know the administrators, uh, some of the teachers, um, and then of course our kids' teachers and their friends and the parents, um, we began to really work hard to uh, see what the needs were um, of the schools, of the families in the schools. Um, one of the things you'll see Jesus do in his ministry is heal people, uh, heal those who are sick, who are possessed by demons, who um, are experiencing all kinds of pain and suffering. And he didn't do it because he was all about just fixing everyone's physical problems and then walking away. He did it because that was the most tangible way to show them that God loved them and that he cared about them. Because when you're suffering and you're experiencing difficulty, then there's no more tangible way to see God's love, it seems, than just dealing with it in this thing that you're, that you're going through in your life, than him showing up and, and in Jesus' case, fixing things. And so we look for opportunities to do that, to say, like, how can we uh, point people to God and say, look, God sees you, he cares about you, and there's a message of hope behind that. Um, this last year... At Gaffney, we heard about this student, his name is Carter, and he's seven years old, and Carter was born with brittle bone disease, and he has a few other physical disabilities as well on top of that, actually. Because of that, he, he can't walk on his own, he can't stand up on his own, he's needed uh, surgeries, he's a trainer, he was at Trainers Hospital recently to get some surgeries, and um, he needed a motorized wheelchair, he needed a handicapped van, um, and his insurance wouldn't pay for it, so the school was doing yet another fundraiser. His family had been raising money for, really, for years to be able to do these things, and and um, they, uh, they, did, uh, they were doing a fundraiser with coins where the kids were donating coins and, and they were trying to give that money to Carter. We heard about this and we talked about it as a leadership of the church. Our church council talked about it and said, is there a way that we could be able to, to help them? And so we decided to try to match um, what they were raising. Uh, to come to the school and say, what if we as a church could match all the money that you guys raise, and that kind of doubles your money? Would that help you raise even more money with the family and people? Well, anyway, we did. There was an assembly, 
they asked me to go to it. Um, and as you can see um, in the video I'm about to show you, uh, I'm not great with kids, um, but, which is weird, because again, that is pretty much what it's like inside of my brain all the time. Um, but I wanted to show you guys this, this last video this morning to show you uh, what happened in that assembly. They called Carter on um, his, he has an aide who's with him all day at school. She called him on her phone and FaceTimed him during the assembly. And he got to hear from all the kids and they got to kind of announce how much had been raised. So we want to show you guys that and let you guys kind of enjoy that. So sit back and get comfortable. Oh, and Carol Glenn kind of led this up, who many of you know. Well, you guys were a small spark. And because you were so excited to help your friend Carter, the rest of our community in Oregon City heard about it. And so we had a church contact us and say, hey, we want to help. So I would like to introduce, please come up, Pastor Ed Grover. And he's got two kids here at Bathy Lane. And his church has very, very generously offered to match everything that you guys raised. That means our, our money doubled. That's a big, big deal. Yeah, round of applause.
Just to, everybody was crying. Everybody's crying, yeah. Um, it was so awesome. And, um, you know, when Carter's, afterwards, uh, Carter's dad called me and um, I was like, how'd you get this number? No, uh, he called me and um, I said, uh, you know, if there's one thing that we want you to know as a church, it's that, it's that just consider this uh, proof that God sees you and that he cares about your family and that he loves you. Um, and that we as a church get to say that in a tangible way like that. Their family needed to raise $14,000 to buy a, uh, a, a handicap van, and until they could get one, he couldn't really come home from Shriner's Hospital. They were going to have to rent one to get him home. And so, like, we literally were able to deposit the check, I think, on Thursday, and that's when he uh, got the van, and uh, they got it that day, and they brought him home from the hospital on Friday. And so... Um, it was so amazing. And the reason that we share this is because this didn't start with just a big check and a bunch of money. This started with trying to build some relationships with people and seeing the needs and what was going on in their lives. And so our hope is that as a church that in the future that we have as many examples of this, stories like this, as we have people sitting in this room. Because we start by building relationships with people and seeing what matters to them and seeing what even breaks their heart. And then as much as we can, we try to step in and say, like, this is to show you that God loves you and cares about you. So it was an awesome thing to get to do as a church. And it's cool that, that our church was able to do that for this family. And with the school, we were able to make flyers and send them home with all the kids that said, you know, uh, you know, we are going to, our church is going to double this money. And um, I've had so many families and people come up to me and just be grateful for the church doing that. So many teachers at the school who attend the church or know the church who are so proud that this is a church that they're a part of. Uh, because we've been building a relationship with schools like Gaffney for a really long time. Um, so, yeah. All right, Matt's gonna come up and he's gonna share kind of our last thing with you this morning. So there's just a couple of things that we wanted to uh, share with you and make you aware of that uh, we're doing as a church, but it's really just ways that we can, as a group of people, help meet tangible needs that people feel in their life, that we can share with them, that we can uh, continue building the relationships that God has put in our life so that we can bridge that gap between them in God, And so one of those uh, things that we're doing is uh, actually starting this Wednesday on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, uh, we're having OCEC play days. And uh, if you can't tell, there's a theme this morning, it's action figures. Uh, but the idea behind uh, the play days is that if you have kids at home, uh, I said in the first service, we know, but it's not that we actually know, like our wives tell us when we come home and they're like, you take these kids or I'm going to kill them. Uh, but we know what it's like uh, from our wives uh, to go through, uh, to get to like the middle of the week and not know if all of you and your kids are going to make it to Friday. Um, and, and so we also know how stressful it is as the weather turns Oregon and it's cold and it's rainy outside and you're looking for things to do and you don't know what to do with them and you're tired of them tearing up your house. We thought, you know, why don't you just bring them here and they can tear up the church and then we'll pick it up. And so uh, on those Wednesdays, if you have kids and you're still looking for something to do, uh, it turns out we have a ton of stuff here at the church. And so we're going to turn our fellowship center into a indoor playground. We have a bounce house 
and toys and all this different stuff uh, that we're going to have uh, for you to just bring your kids and let them go crazy. And you can sit there and kind of watch them, but not really worry about it because it's not your stuff. And uh, and, and then get to hang out with people. And so uh, we just want this to be something that meets a real felt need in your life and the life of people you know. So even if you don't have kids and you know people, say, hey, you can go here at this time. It's 10 to 12 on those Wednesdays. And you didn't hear from me, but there might be like free lattes made. Um, but don't show up without kids. You have to have proof of a child uh, to get a latte. And uh, but uh, just come and tell people and, and invite people uh, if this is something they need. Uh, another thing uh, that we have going on is actually uh, this year, oh, you fixed it. That took my joke away. Um, this year, uh, we got to go, as a lot of us as, as a staff, to our, the family camp for the first time. And we were blown away how awesome it was, the location, everything. And we thought, you know what would be better? more people. And so uh, we want you to go ahead and put this on your calendar and plan on being there. Uh, family camp next summer, August 14th through the 16th. Uh, we have actually reserved twice as many spots as we had this year, just so you can come, but even more importantly, so you can invite someone. Uh, we want you to be asking now, not only do I want to go, but who do I want to bring with me? Who is God putting in my life that I can be building a relationship with now that come next summer I can ask them, hey, do you want to go camping? And they might say yes, okay? you got to know them pretty well because nobody wants to go camping with a stranger. And, uh, and so it's not that intimidating, something very easy to invite someone to. And so go ahead and put in your calendar for you to come. It's a way for us to do community, but again, building community even outside the church uh, with people who need to know uh, Jesus. And so we invite you to do that as well. Uh, we had a really hard time kind of figuring out how to wrap up this morning because it is a little bit different. But it is Worldwide Communion Sunday, and we thought, what better way uh, to end a Sunday where we're talking about, as a church, pouring ourselves out than celebrating communion together. And so Pastor Justin's going to come and lead us in that. So as Pastor Matt said, it is uh, Communion Day, and... We've been talking this morning about how the more and more we pour ourselves out uh, as a church, uh, the more Christ is glorified. And I, and I think the ultimate example of this uh, is outlined in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, who says, Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he himself made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The more we serve, the more we love, the more we pour ourselves out into our friends, into our relationships, into our community. Uh, the more room we create for Christ in our lives. So we want to be reminded of that this morning, of how Christ has poured himself out for us. Why do we do all this? Why do we create all these things? Why do we invest? Why do we invest our time, our money? It's because Christ did for us.